Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. What's good, horror people? <laughs> Dog. <laughs> no, no worries. I can't. I can't. I gotta go with hey, everybody. Hey. Um, howdy, how, how do you do, folks? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm just gonna like put in a supercut of like hellos from like Mrs. Doubtfire and like all these different. There's just gonna be a supercut of hellos from different movies. Hello. Hello, what have we here? Hello! We are falling apart without an intro. We need to, you know what? If it ain't broke, Jackie, just go back. <laughs> try again. I'm not cutting any of this out. This is all staying in. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. Oh my God. How long have we been in quarantine now? 12 years? I think it's been closer to 45. Um, but, you know, we're hanging in there. I've retired, so, you know. We're hanging tough, just like the new kids would. And I hope they're social distancing. They're national treasures, but they're, I feel like they might be in the uh, immunocompromised group because of their age. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, we have not seen each other in person, which has definitely irked my soul. But, luckily, we are still recording via remote uh, technology. So, today, we thought in the spirit of the shitty quarantine, to keep it light. So we thought it only appropriate that we pick a couple soul-sucking movies to go with the soul-sucking times of our life. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I thought we were going light, but I gotta tell you, shit got dark in one of these movies. I was not expecting Vampire's Kiss to be so serious. I don't know what... I think, you know what? I knew that it had my boyfriend, Nick Cage, in it. Mm -hmm. So automatically, I'm like, A, I'm going to love it. B, I had never seen it before, but I have seen that gif and the memes from him, of him in this movie, like all over Facebook. And I'm like, this is going to be like just a fun, ridiculous Nick Cage vampire movie. And um, it it's definitely a dark, dark dark comedy because it went to places I didn't think it was going to go at the end and uh, I, I'm really sad to say that I wanted to like this so much more but I don't I don't know I don't my apologies to my fiance Nick Cage um, this one's not a keeper issue after this one um, I know I so tonight we're going to discuss two vampire films vampires kiss which, yeah, I had never seen before either. So I was pumped at the opportunity. I was almost embarrassed I hadn't seen it. And also one of my favorites, Once Bitten, which, oh my gosh, I didn't do myself any favors by rewatching it for this. Let's start with Vampire's Kiss. So Vampire's Kiss is a 1988 film. Of course, as surprisingly packed uh, stars in this one. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that Jennifer Beals was in this movie. Pleasantly surprised because she is a fucking hottie. Oh, I love her. She floods the basement. I tell you what. She does. She is, I'm telling you, 
I have never seen Flashdance. My real, in, I know, my real introduction to her was from The L Word on Showtime. Oh. <laughs> I love The L Word. It's so fucking good. And she's just, she's just so pretty. And yeah, so for her being like the sexy vampire in this one, I was like, you can fight me. Yeah, I was here for it. So, okay, yeah. So as I mentioned, yeah, first time, my first thought um, was, man, do I wish I could like, just head into the 1980s and just go to a few parties in New York City. Just a few. Because hot damn were those shits. Those shits were fucking lit, as my students would say. (laughs) It made me think of Fright Night. Like, I love when movies have, like, the club scene and you've got everybody dancing and in their, like, 80s. I don't want to even call them 80s costumes because that's just what you wore in the 80s. You have your big hair and you have your 80s clothes on and you're just doing your 80s dance and you're jamming to the latest, like, techno vibes at the disco tech. Oh. I love it. I, I know. I do. Actually, that's actually one of my notes for Once Bitten is, oh, to be rich in the 1980s. Like, I'm sorry. If I had the if I had the money and the ability to completely redo my house, I would absolutely redo my house like hella 80s from top to bottom. Like I would love it. I would love it. Give me a spiral staircase, you know, give me like the exposed, you know, beams. Give me like the big remember those those big uh like the the glass tiles that you make a wall out of? Like give me all that. I want the extreme 80s house. I would live, live there in a heartbeat. And yeah. Would- <laughs> <laughs> um, so my, okay. So I, this is going to be controversial and I've been, I've been racking my brain here because I can't quite figure out Nick Cage, genius actor or just really crazy shitty actor. Look, my husband is extremely talented. Uh, is he? <laughs> I do. I think he, so I did, I had made the comment that his character, Peter, sometimes has an accent. Sometimes <laughs> he doesn't. Like he talks just weird. And I, I went to the source of all knowledge, IMDB. And apparently uh, he did that on purpose because apparently when he's really laying it on with the way that he talks, it's generally around people of a higher status and he his acting choice was to do that to make himself appear you know more upper crust more hoity-toity like that's what he chose for his character that his character would put on airs in front of people like that which is why he would speak like that when he was around like the board members at work or or things like that I know it's just he reminds me of like a, a tr- like his, I, I'm gonna say this. I think he he reminded me of Trump on and off yeah. through the movie. Like when he was putting on his like business guy, rich guy accent. Um, yeah. Also, what a dick his character is. Oh my god, he was. Oh poor Alva. Oh, oh Alva. Fucking heartbroken. I can't. I fucking literally can't with this movie. So little did I know that when we called this a comedy, and I don't know who out there, I hate that this film is considered a comedy because. It isn't even a dark comedy to me. Like, yeah, this it's one dark fucking movie. Yeah, and I don't know if it's like, like maybe in the eighties this was funny and now it's not, or if I just don't have a sense of humor, <clears throat> be cringy shit and like jokes about mental health. Yeah. But I just, I really, I hate it. 
I didn't hate the film. I actually really enjoyed it. So it's interesting that you kind of felt like you were lackluster because I did think it was a very interesting performance by him. I love the idea that everything he did was on purpose because maybe he is just a really weird kind of cool actor, but it was such strange acting. Like when he would laugh, he would be like, ha, 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 ha. And like it just <laughs> unsettled me, but not in the way I think the movie was supposed to unsettle me. <laughs> Yeah, this was this like I said, like his his performance was cuckoo bananas enough that it kept me engaged. But I, I said that I said before we started recording that overall I felt that the the plot was just kind of stale. And and to be perfectly honest, it has a fairly similar plot to Once Bitten. And somehow that one makes more sense. And that one is more engaging. And that one is somehow more believable than Vampire's Kiss. I mean, Once Bitten is so vapid and like a horror porkies, for lack of a better term. Yes. Uh, and don't get me wrong. My fucking heart is there for that film. I must have <laughs> that film 5,000 times as a child with zero regrets. But at the end of the day, like, what Vampire's Kiss has that that one's bitten does it is those weird thematic layers and is that dark yeah. and it's not like whereas one's bitten yeah it's a comedy I giggle through one's bitten every time yes. even if it is cringy and inappropriate at times now I still am here for it whereas with Vampire's Kiss I'm here for it but in a like I'm gonna unpack it academically kind of way it, it's not I'm gonna say it is not fair to the movie for me to have this judgment but again, like y'all know how I feel about Nicolas Cage and to not like one of his movies really is very painful to me. Um, and also and the fact that like his character rapes a woman, like that just like when that happened, I wasn't expecting it. And I was like kind of hoping that maybe he just smacked her around a little bit and didn't actually rape her because they obviously don't show anything. And then when he was like, oh yeah, I raped somebody. I was like, ooh, honey, no. I wasn't prepared for that. And I don't know, it just, no pun intended, it put a really bad taste in my mouth. Like, I'm just, this, this, I don't know, like, this one was just, like, you can see the seeds of Mandy in this one. Like, when he goes completely batshit and, like, destroys his apartment. Like, my first thought, was Mandy. Um, obviously, that's a little bit more fresh in my mind. So that's where my brain went. But yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just, I felt like the story was kind of stale. And I, plastic teeth? You didn't think that was hilarious? I found a lot of- Well, yeah, like I said, his, his performance, it was, it was, it was Nick Cagey enough to keep me going. I think if his, if his performance was like that of a normal actor, I probably would have been very bored by this movie. So at least his oh, okay. Nick Cage-iness kept me there. Right around with the goddamn plastic fucking teeth in. I was hysterical. I when he called the therapist to get a sooner appointment, <laughs> I need something cuter. Yeah, like it was really funny and, and dark and cool. So, all right, real quick, just in case you have never seen this movie, basically the premise is uh, Nick Cage plays Peter Lowe, who is like this typical douchey, uh, preppy, you know, fucking work guy suit from the 80s. And he goes, he's like sleeps around all the time. He goes to a club, he picks up a girl and she goes home with him and bites him. And so uh, it winds up being 
I guess, should we spoil it? I, don't, I mean, it's from 1988. Do we yeah, I think we're safe to spoil it. Uh, he's not actually been bitten. He's just going crazy and like, I guess having a, what he describes him, Nick Cage describes as his character having a schizophrenic uh, break from reality. He thinks he's been bitten by a vampire and that every woman he sleeps with is the vampire when really he's just cray cray. And it ends with this like haunting him in the middle of the street meltdown and where he's fantasizing that he's having a normal life while he's really standing in the street like a cuckoo bird in the, in the middle of New York City. And one of the things I've read about this film was that this came out right at the height of like the New York City anti-homeless movement. Mm. And I'm kind of interesting that it paralleled like this idea of like, oh my God, there's a crazy guy on the street, you know, walk around the other side of the street. It also, to me, there's an interesting like, very 80s take on mental health issues in this film because a the therapist is so fucking terrible like <laughs> his fantasies like she's listen when in in the fantasy when she's like oh you raped a girl it's fine you were just getting your id out like i was like oh touche well played um because really she was a terrible therapist and not only was she a terrible therapist but like the fact that he, at no point was anybody like, man, this guy might be having some mental health issues. Like, I really hope we'd now be at a point in our society where we would care. But mm-hmm. yeah, for him to oppress and terrorize his Latino, no less, fucking secretary, and then culminate in a rape of her was so cringy. And yeah. it to me, this film was like a really gross look at like the, the notion of like the human food chain. Because, like, people like him at the top, but then he falls to the bottom, and, like, really, we're all just waiting to be victimized by somebody else, and, like, he even, like, when he calls her a CNX2, like, there's so much oof to his abuse of her. But then, you could argue that the vampire is also abusing him, and using him as, like, and, like, he's kind of raped in a way by her. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when he goes in that scene, when he's talking to his secretary, Alva, and he's saying like, no one else can do this job because basically you're at the bottom of the barrel. And even if somebody, you know, you've been here the least amount of time, you're at the bottom of the barrel. Like this is the shit job for the shit person. And you are that shit person. I love the idea of the food chain because that's both, you know, metaphysical and, you know, the reality, you know, when you think of vampires, they prey on the weak and they drink their life force basically and he definitely drained alva's life force you know just by being a complete and utter shitbag and then by raping her he you know took the last scraps of her i know and it was such an 80s representation of how people would be abused by white men in power and then not believed oh wait still happens um but back then especially like you see her being like I can't go back there man like this guy and people are like it's fine everybody has a shitty boss you know like and and it is it was a a culture of consent to bullshit like that and really he gets his comeuppance you know like he is absolutely in my head a villain yes he's victimized even though if nothing else by his own deteriorating mental health but I, I don't feel a fucking lick of bad for him because even if those things were all side effects of his mental break. He was still such a scumbag in his right mind. You know what I mean? Like he was such a yeah. shitty, the scene where they're all sitting around laughing about the fact that he chased her into the bathroom and terrorized her was to me 
could still happen today. And that's the part that pissed me off the most. And that's what made me feel like this, this film might be worth a little more to me than just, you know, like I thought, I was like, oh, there's on these bones, you know, like I thought these were both going to be like totally throwaway goofy movies, but this film had a lot of layers to unpack. Yeah, yeah, which is, I think, probably why it was the shock to my system, because it wasn't the movie I was expecting, but it's the movie that I got. Um, It was also still a really good Nick Cage crazy fest. Like, I that you didn't respond more to that. Yeah, well, like I said earlier, that's, that's what kept me engaged in the movie. If, if, I think if anybody else played that role, and it wasn't at that level, I probably would have been like, eh, like lukewarm to the movie. Like at least I got. Yeah, he spent the cage running around like a lewd. Um, also, real quick, there's one scene where background actors really, to me, stole the show. I am so here for the minds that lived and, and hung out in front of his building, and <laughs> beat the crap out of each other, like domestic squabble between two minds. <laughs> Who's like, guys, you know what we should sprinkle in, like, at, in the scenery? Let's get two minds in here and let's pretend they're beating the shit out of each other, a male and a female. Like, so my question to you is, when they were writing and filming this movie, how many pounds of cocaine was consumed? <laughs> Literally just in my head, there was just a mountain in the middle <laughs> Like, here's the writer's table. Here's a mountain of cocaine. Here they all are with, like, their yeah. big straw, like the big loop-de-loop one. Just right <laughs> up. Because I gotta tell you, this film is bonkers. And to me, in all the right ways, like, I would re-watch this. And yeah? Yeah, I really, I thought it was very funny. I thought, oh, fun fact, did a little research. <laughs> he actually caught that pigeon in real life, and then he was, like, he really thought that that scene was, like, the height of his acting chops like he bragged about it for years um because he was so proud that he physically caught a real pigeon in new york streets number one that was not a stage pigeon that was a real pigeon um let's just hope it made it home in one piece number two that mechanical bat that flies into his room oh my god i could watch that thing all day i think you could buy one of those at the dollar store at halloween time now oh my god i just you know I'm just so blessed to have Nick Cage in my life. You are blessed. We are all blessed. Um, I'm actually really excited that he's going to play the Tiger King. I really am. Oh, oh my God. I'm so excited. And then also, I thought it was, it, one other thing I wanted to mention that I thought was kind of cool was in the cringy club scene, right? Mm-hmm. How does he kill? I have a question. He's got the plastic teeth. In. Yeah. How does he bite that woman's jug like could you actually bite a human jugular and kill a person that way with just normal teeth i mean no i mean your actual teeth can pierce flesh i mean that's a bite through the jugular dude right i i mean look at didn't fucking ted bundy like take bites out of his victims but like cook pieces of them i mean no, bundy didn't cook he would like bite off chunks of flesh but he yeah i mean i don't know i imagine if you Try hard enough. Maybe if you go in from the side and like use your canines. I I don't know. I personally have never bit anybody. No, me neither. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. So uh, how, a little. I don't know. I mean, maybe those cheap plastic vampire teeth are, are you know more bang for the buck. I just don't know why he didn't go with the fancier ones. It's not like he couldn't afford them. 
fucking. He didn't have any money on him because he paid for the cab, didn't he? Wasn't that the whole the thing that he paid out the money for the cab? That's why he didn't have enough on him. Yeah. What a fucking jerk character. But like, why would a yuppie like that not have like the like the Black American Express card? Not Rob Lowe. What's the other brick that Jude? Judd Nelson, one of those guys. One of the Brat Packers was supposed to be Peter Love. And I gotta tell you, yeah, this movie, we wouldn't be talking about this movie right now if it hadn't been Nick Cage in mind. Real, yeah. Nick Cage often cites that De Niro and a bunch of other people who have played monsters, uh, Jack Nicholson and Wolf, De Niro and Frank, that all got their motivation for their monster by watching him in this film. Because <laughs> that's how great his performances are. <laughs> I love how crazy he is in real life, too. Can I just... I really do. I could read quotes of him talking about his movies. He also brags about the fact that Jennifer Beals was thoroughly skeeved by him and weirded out by him in real life while filming, and she never spoke to him off camera. (laughs) Good call, girl. Good instincts. (laughs) Trust those, girl. They'll serve you well. Oh, God. So he brags about that, though, which I think is hysterical. Um, Yeah, this film was not... We were going to go with light, fun vamp movies and instead we got this and instead we get rapey nick cage <laughs> rapey nick cage both as victim and as aggressor yeah yeah well, it, it just it, continues me it wasn't riot like i expected hilarity did not really ensue i mean again i mean we keep talking about it but like yes his performance was funny was funny you know when he had the plastic teeth in when he was having his conversation with the therapist at the end of the movie you know destroying the apartment all like that oh my god i don't know the imaginary girl that the therapist sets him up with oh my god like he fights with her and he kicks her out like it's (laughs) beautiful oh i see i think there's a lot of dark now that i'm now that we're talking about it maybe there's more dark humor than i give this film maybe i my actually one of my favorite and what i think is the funniest thing is how he flipped his couch over to kind of mimic I the coffin where he like actually had it propped up on some books so he could like mimic the coffin opening and closing during quarantine and see what happens i would love to live under there <laughs> um anything else about this freaking bonkers fest that was vampire's kiss no no my my apologies to to nick cage that i don't love this one i love you but i don't love this one crazy very crazy i enjoyed it um all right, so on to, dare I say, a national treasure of a film. <laughs> it's so, no, seriously, this is like, I, I love your description of like the horror porkies because Killer Clowns was that way. And this movie, like, maybe it was that scene when everybody's like making out in the cars that like makes me equate it with Killer Clowns. Jesus but this movie, I feel like is such an underrated, like fun 80s vampire movie. Hundred percent. And I, I, you think it's underrated? I think it's just rated enough. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people think it's too goofy because they see Jim Carrey and they instantly think of like goofy, bendy, you know, Jim Carrey being like overacting Jim Carrey. And to be perfectly honest, he doesn't do a lot of that classic Jim Carrey overacting in this movie. And the one scene where he kind of does really uh there there's a scene when he's at his girlfriend's clothing store where you see little bits and pieces of the Jim Carrey to come mm-hmm. um but like in that scene he's trying to make her laugh so it's very warranted 
and justified that he's being a goofball. But I think his his performance is really great in this one. And I do, like I said, I feel like people write this off as like a stupid Jim Carrey movie. And I really don't think it is. I think this is like a fun 80s movie. And it's a pre-Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey movie. Like, yeah. I loved this character before, like, I even put two and two together and realized Jim Carrey was the character from this film. <laughs> and yeah, I agree with you. I think the two scenes where he's Jim Carrey and Ernest are in the store when he's being silly. Mm-hmm the dance when he does all the funny like little like yeah Mike okay so I'm gonna admit that it takes a lot for me to not let the cringe factors in this film get me down it is pure nostalgia and pure love of um that lets forces me to overlook all of the cringe like Jesus Christ why does he have to put so much pressure on her to fucking have sex like you're a dirtbag man then you don't get it and you go and into the city and pedophilia bang Lauren Hutton and and then she takes you back. Like, no, Rob, girl, you could do better. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And now I'll be fun. I promise. No, no you know what? I, I have my note is the fastest way to get into a girl's pants is through peer pressure. Um, so also like I can't tell if the guy from Blazing Saddles uh, depiction of, of a gay servant is super progressive or super cringy. My first note is I need a man servant. And I never, I feel like the film never uses his sexuality as a joke. But again, I feel like as a cisgender woman, it's not fair for me to say. But Well, they have the one where she tells him, she's like, all right, you know, when he was hiding, she's like, come out of the closet. And he was like, I came out of the closet hundreds of years ago. It was cute. I, 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 yeah, no. And I love that. I absolutely love that, like, he is her, like, makeup artist. Like, he is the mirror for the, I was going to say, it's never one of those, like, where he's like, oh, look at me, I'm gay. But he kind of does. Well, he's very flamboyant, but I don't yeah. think it's, an, it's a tool of laughing at him. I think it's just the character. Yeah. I, yeah, it gets definitely not, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to agree with you again. Um, as, as a white cisgendered woman, like, I didn't, I can't say that it was like an offensive portrayal. It wasn't a satire of, no, of a gay man. It was either. I, I literally, my note is, I think it's a progressive depiction of a gay character. And then in parentheses, I'm like, kind of? Like literally, I yeah. quite, I feel like I need like an official judgment on that. But I love this character. Like I loved, Sebastian's always been one of my favorite characters. And when I was little, because I watched this movie so often, I don't even think his sexual like to me why I think this was okay is because it normalized homosexuality for me and yeah. it, it is he's a servant of a vampire so maybe it shouldn't have been oh that's normal but yeah. that, he was never the problem like having a vampire was fine it was like I liked that it was the other cringy thing was the, the gay sex scene but that's such an 80s like I'm not excusing it right yeah the like that was just so that was also a very cringy 80s scene um, I really wish the clown place existed in real life to eat at. You know what? I was thinking about that too. Like, I would love, and maybe it's a California thing, but like, I would love to just like, like hamburger stands. Like hamburger stands. Like, like is that, that's got well, I mean, obviously I guess that is a California thing because yeah. like, I've never seen that. Like, I would love to just like walk up to a hamburger stand, get a burger and fries and and what's crazier is that most of them were re- like the ones I ate at at least were all really good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the closest thing that I've ever been to like that is like the the Weber's um 
the place where you can like drive up and kind of like Sonic where they come to your window, take your order or whatever. Like that's the closest thing to a burger stand that I've ever been to. But yeah, like that would be like, that's one of those things. Like when I was a little kid and my dream job was to work at McDonald's because they had purple uniforms and that was my favorite color when I was little. Like, this is another thing like, okay, in the eighties, not only do I want to be insanely rich to have like a big eighties mansion, but I also want to freelance flipping burgers in one of those like freestanding little burger stands. I'll wear a doofy hat. Like, I don't care. Bring it on. It's like the dude from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yes! That was my other thought too. I thought of that immediately. Both work for the same corporation. <laughs> yeah, they did. I think so. Oh man. Um, yeah, I so Jackie, I'm gonna try this on you, see if it works. Okay. I'm a mature person. You're a mature person. So why don't we both strip away our inhibitions and do what we came here to do? Does that work? Um, well, basement flooded, so yes. Yeah. It does. Her clothes are off. You can't see yeah. it. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Yeah, I'm completely naked now. So yeah, here we go. Miss the formula of 80s movies where it's like doofy sidekicks plus, you know, horny teenage kid plus reluctant girlfriend equals madness. Like, and you just plug in like different tropes and different genres. Like Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable how the 80s was. It really, and and we, we thought this was normal for nine years of our lives while we grew up. Yes, Absolutely. Mark and his friends go to this bar in Hollywood because he wants to go have sex with somebody. So he can just kind of like cash in the V card, get it out of the way, and then he won't have to pressure his girlfriend for sex anymore, which is such a romantic and thoughtful idea. Just fuck somebody else and then you won't have to pressure your girlfriend. It it makes total sense. Anyway, (laughs) so they go to this bar that's, like basically like a phone a date thing every table has phones and you look around and you see who you want to call and if you're sitting at table 15 i'm going to dial table 15 and i'm going to try to talk you up and and hook up with you what i love is that it's again 1985 and all the phones on the table were the big red lips phones which instantly paused the movie and had to go look to see if you could still buy those and you can. And then that led me to, can you still buy those phones that are completely clear and they have like all the colorful things inside them, like all of the wires and everything are the bright colors, the DJ Tanner phone. Yeah, we can get that too. If you still want to have a corded phone in your house with an actual landline, you can, you can do it. And I am so tempted. I don't have a landline. I'm tempted to get one just to get lips phones. Because I never had lips phones as a kid. I had the clear phone. That was my only. You have the clear phone. I didn't have a clear phone either. Didn't. I just had boring, regular fucking phones. Thanks, Lola, for my fucking childhood. I didn't have any fun phones. I I had the clear phone. And I believe at some point someone in my family owned a Garfield phone. But other than that, it wasn't big. We had the Sports Illustrated football phone. Ooh, see that we did. I don't think we I don't think we ever like used it or plugged it in, but I know that we had the Sports Illustrated football phone. So yeah, so he winds up meeting Lauren Hutton, who turns out to be a vampire, who then she's looking for a virgin she has to bite three times um to in order to stay young. And yes. hilarity ensues. And I gotta tell you, Jackie, if there's one thing I wish I could put in every movie ever, it's an 80s high school dance dance-off scene. Yes, that's 
part of this movie. Like all my 80s horror comedies, the best part is the dance-off. And in this one, you have him in, like, all black as a vampire. You have his girlfriend, the, like, nice, sweet girl Robin, dressed as Jill from Jack and Jill. And you have the fucking countess who also who lets her into a high school dance? I know. How did I thought that? How did they get in? <laughs> By the way, Robin's friend, Suzette, the one who is like the ticket taker at the dance. Huh? That's Megan Mullally. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I thought I recognized her, and then I double checked it, and it's fucking Tammy too in this movie. <laughs> it is. It's her. That is hysterical. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I looked at her and I'm like. She vaguely looked familiar. She had, to me, she has such a distinct voice mm-hmm. um, that I'm like, I know that. I know it's her. And I, yeah, double checked it and it was. I was, I was super excited. Yeah, that, that dance scene. I mean, let's, let's, I mean, we've talked about it before. Let's just come right out and say it. That's our dream cosplay. That is our dream cosplay. Like, we really need to just pull the trigger on this one. We do. We do. You are going to play Robin, the sweet and innocent. You're- I get to be Lauren Hutton. Um, and, and- now- Put that. We just need a warm body to be Mark. We really do. We just, it's really just about you and me. Here's the thing though, like it just makes me nervous because she wears all those tops and everything and it looks like she's not wearing a bra. I can't see how she's wearing a bra in with the, with those outfits. And I, I need support. I, I need support for my fun bags. Like I don't know that I can go without a bra. We have to duct tape these bitches up. <laughs> The other thing that I love about the 80s when dances were happening is how elaborate all the costumes are. Like any time in a movie when it's Halloween, <laughs> just it doesn't matter if it's a movie, that episode of Saved by the Bell, you know, like anytime there is a Halloween dance in a movie or TV show, like really, you need a last minute costume idea for Halloween? Just just watch some like old 80s TV movies and you'll you'll find something. You can pull something together. Also, I dare I say the rest of the soundtrack I I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, because there's that there's the once bitten song in the beginning, but actually plays actually plays twice. Yeah. Um I think that I had read um that the band that is playing at that dance is the band that also did that theme song and the same people that do hands off. Well, that, right, you're correct, and they do most of the soundtrack. I only remember, the, I, I honestly only remember the two, the one spitting song in the beginning and Hands Off. I, I really was just so involved with the rest of the movie that I didn't really pay too much attention to the movie, or to the, to the music, because I was so wrapped up in this fantastic movie. The director of this film, right? Right. And I'm not even going to pretend that I knew his name, because I absolutely had to look it up. But the director of this film apparently made this film, and then... Ran out of money, probably because he bought all the cocaine for the writer's room. <laughs> and he... <laughs> Hold on, I gotta look up his name because I don't even remember. I didn't even bother to write it down when I did the research. Howard Storm. Okay. Who might remember for his work on Nothing Else Meaningful. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. That's... I actually have the box set of Nothing Else Meaningful. Was PA number four. Oh, that's not true. He directed four episodes of Keenan and Kel, the TV show. Yeah. But anywho, he literally made this movie, and then while it was, like, in the movies, ran out of money. Again, obviously, I'm not going to speculate. I don't want to, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And started working at a video store. It comes out on video, and he tells this story all the time, apparently. But 
he's working in the video store. A customer comes to return once bitten and goes, Jesus Christ, I hope whoever wrote this movie and directed it never writes another movie again. And it was him. How crazy is that? How crazy is that story? Hi, man. I, I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it's fine. I don't know. Like, I will continue cringe or not i will continue to defend this movie as as i think it's a good movie i think it's up there like i said i feel like this is an underrated movie an underrated vampire movie i mean i i I look at this movie and i take it for what it is it's it's a porkies-esque you know it's 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 the teen it's the teen sex movie of the 80s it's in that genre it's a teen sex movie it's it's a goofy comedy it's very light horror which you know it's 1985 so i think blood or anything like yeah like i think i was to say i think as is fright night out already at this point in 85 um i think that's like i feel like there's you know we've had a lot of i mean we've had the same okay yeah i mean in 1985 we've had a couple of friday the 13th movies we've had halloween we've had nightmare on elm street so to have this horror comedy happen, I think, I think it was placed very well in a lot of the more serious, slashery, 80s horror. Yeah, that's fair. When you put this up against, like, The Lost Boys and Fright Night, and, like, it's mm-hmm. clean fun compared to those films. Those it is. It's in earnest. It's, it's a nice palate cleanser for the more serious things, and you still get, you still get your horror. You still get your dose of horror because, I mean, Cool. It's a vampire, so in essence, you know, it was funny, I was actually talking to somebody at work today, and they had asked me, because they had never seen Army of Darkness, and they said, is Army of Darkness a horror movie? I'm like, well, it has skeletons in it, so technically, yes, I said, but really, like, that's just an out-and-out comedy, and I feel like I could say the same thing about Once Bitten, that Once Bitten is definitely more of a comedy We'll call it horror because there is a vampire in it. So it can be, what's the term, shoehorned into the genre because of that. But I think above all, this, this, is, a, this is a comedy. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out that there is also some cringy, blurry consent issues in this film. Um, <laughs> but I would also argue that I don't care because I love it and I'm nostalgic for it. Well, you know... In the, the laundromat scene, when the two uh, doofy, horny friends go to the laundromat to hit on the girls, and I guess the, the one, the, like, the more uh, shy one hits on the one girl, and she puts them in a dryer. So, you know, she got some female power going on, because yeah. she said no, and she meant it, and she put them in a dryer. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, she, 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 right, she did put him in the dryer. Also, the ultimate theme of this film, if I'm correct, is have sex to be safe. Like, because at the end, in order to save themselves from the vampire, they're forced to have a very quick quickie in a coffin. Yeah, because if he's not a virgin, he's useless to her, to the vampire. No, risk my last two notes are vagina power and sex saves the day. So, I mean, really... If nothing else, you know, yes, there are some cringy moments, but if nothing else, this movie is just a tribute to the all-powerful vagina. Really? Excuse me, I thought it was a tribute to forcing someone into sex when they're not ready for it. <laughs> no, no, I think, you know what? I 
I want to say that the character of Robin, she's strong. She's, she had said, she, when they were discussing at the tree, she said, look, I want to do it too. I want to do it just as much as you do, but I just don't feel that I'm ready. And like, when I'm ready, I'll know. And then, you know. But was she ready or was she just like, well, shit, I got to save this guy's life? I don't know. I would like to think it was a little of both. Oh, you're And so- especially for the fact that she went in for round two. She, that part I do find empowering when she's yeah. like, it was awesome. I'm going to fucking go back for round Yeah. Well, and especially because, again, like, there was the line that, like, when Lauren Hutton was like, you couldn't have had sex. It's only been a minute. And it's like, okay, no, it clearly was, yeah, you had sex. It's only been a minute. So I do like that, you know, Robin didn't get hers yet. And and she wanted hers. So round two. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I do look at it as, you know, and then at the end when the two, like, weird horny friends, like, the two female vampires kind of trap them, like, Yes, there are definitely some cringy moments, but I think in the end, it's turned around where, you know, female saves the day. Robin is the hero. If it wasn't for her vagina, Mark would be fucking dead. That's, that's a feminist hot take, Jackie. I like it. Boom. That happens sometime I'm, in Monogam. I'm in. <laughs> um, anything else about Once Bitten? No, if you haven't seen Once Bitten, please, please go watch it. It is available on... Tubi and Voodoo. It's free with a handful of commercials. Suck it up and just go watch it because you can watch it for free. Don't don't come at me and bitch about the fucking commercials. You can sit for 30 seconds of a Honda commercial. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, it's out there. Watch it. If you enjoy fun horror comedy, if you enjoy fun 80s movies, like this is not dance sequences. Yeah. Oh my god, like seriously, this dance sequence, like Robin. The, the actress that plays Robin is such a good dancer. I agree. There's cringy moments because, again, she forgives him very quickly. And apparently they've been together for years. And I don't know. It's just, well, yeah. I, I'm not going to judge her or forget. Yeah, you know, no, no judgment. Because at the end, again, if it wasn't for her vagina, Mark would be a fucking vampire and the day would be lost. And the vampires win, if not for Robin's powerful day-saving vagina. And there are some legitimately funny lines in this film, too. Like, I love the line where she's like, can we just try the doors first to see if they open before we go crash? Because, like, all the vampires are, like, in a typical montage scene or, like, chasing the victims through the, through the castle. And they're destroying everything. They're coming through, like, stairs. They're breaking oh doors. God. And she's, like, running around with them, too, like a very Scooby scene. And she's about, <laughs> the young vampire's about to break a door. And she's like, wait. Can we just try a door before we break? Like, I just thought that was legitimately. No, there's the writing. Like, again, the writing isn't, you know, there's no Academy Award for this one. But there's some funny lines. There's some wit. Again, you have to recognize it for what it is. It's it's a, a teen sex comedy of the 80s with a bit of a horror twist. It, it's fun. It's yeah. fun. You got to go see it if you haven't seen it. All right. Anything else before? That's, we- that's everything I got. I wish I could promote something, but literally everything in our lives was canceled. So. Yeah. So just. Sitting around some more. Staying Yeah. Safe. What did I say last time? Go, go find a stranger and put their fingers in your mouth. You first wanted, you first had your Fred Rogers moment where you were that's like. That's right. Everyone, stay safe and stay happy out there. It's not easy to be. And, you know, we're going to stay really positive here at the Jersey Ghouls. And, and, and then I busted your chops. First of all, first of all, don't make me sound like Nick Cage. 
Okay. Because I didn't sound like Nick Cage when I said it. I didn't. No. And then you got belligerent and then you wished all of our viewers to go lick things. <laughs> Let somebody cough in your mouth. Fucking grow a pair. Okay. Fucking do it. Do it. Social distance. Be safe. Make good choices. <laughs> make, make good life choices. Uh, so we hope you guys have enjoyed our vampire adventures. Do the thing. Find us on social media. Find us on your favorite podcast app. Hey, we're going to try to get on Spotify because we realize we aren't on Spotify and we know that's like the hip happening spot for podcasts these days, apparently. So we are going to do our best to get ourselves on Spotify so you can find us there soon as well. Um, if not already, because this episode is probably going to come out a couple weeks after we recorded it, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, we love you. We will talk to you guys later. Bye bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.